Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Let's just call it like it is. The dating scene today is brutal. Finding and maintaining a relationship nowadays is way easier said than done. And between the pandemic and modern technology, how we think, talk about, and connect with people is evolving. As things change, we wanted to know what are some green flags, things to look for that show a relationship is working. A lot of the advice out there focuses on red flags. So let's flip the script and talk about the positives with a couple of relationship experts. Anita Chapala is a dating and relationship therapist. Bella Gandhi is a dating coach and founder of Smart Dating Academy. Bella, how important is it to have a similar background as a potential partner? Or do opposites attract here? You know, I, I, opposites do attract. A lot of times they don't last, unfortunately, right? Okay. There's so much friction when you're so different. So having a similar background can make certain things easy, but it's also not necessary. In my experience, I've had Smart Dating Academy for 13 years, so I can tell you sometimes you think you're going to know what the lid to your pot actually looks like, but usually love will come to you in a totally unexpected package. I love that. The lid to your pot. The lid to your pot. So you mean it's not fun to unpack the the differences and to learn more about your partner and, and you know, because they always talk about like, don't work, don't date someone you work with, for instance, right? There's too many similarities. They like to be able to come home and talk about different things and, and so forth. So the opposites isn't working out. You know, I think what's really most important is that you like each other in the beginning. The conversation is easy. The person is consistent and reliable. And at that point, you'd be surprised. So often people will say, well, I really love to play tennis. So I really need to be with someone who loves to play tennis as much. Not really. When I was dating, my mom said to me, listen, if you love opera, that doesn't mean your boyfriend or your husband has to love opera. Go join an opera group, right? (laughs) So, so often. Find your own opera friends. Find your own opera (laughs) friends. Interest, culture, they can be nice to haves, but they're not have to haves for happy, successful relationships. So Anita, talk to me. How important is age difference though? Uh, I mean, it's just like any other difference. It's you know, context matters. So what do, like, what does each partner bring to the table, so to speak, or to the relationship? Because um, I've worked with young clients who prefer dating older uh, and because they consider themselves an old soul. Mm. You know, so they don't fit the stereotypical, you know, behaviors of maybe their age group. So it doesn't, I don't think it necessarily really matters yeah. um, as long as both partners are having those kinds of conversations about how those differences are showing up in the relationship and how they're going to manage them. So a wide age gap doesn't always mean a red flag, but it's a flag. Uh, Something to pay attention to. Just something to pay attention to, but just like a lot of things, right? I mean, nobody's going to show up exactly the way that you are. And I mean, differences are actually inevitable in any relationship most of the time, like two thirds of the time, couples aren't going to see eye to eye. And so even a, a larger age gap, it's the most important thing is for the couples to be communicating about what their preferences are, mm-hmm. um, their energy levels, you know, where they match, maybe where they don't. And then they might have to modify their expectations and their behaviors to honor what each partner wants in the relationship. I think you said a key word that might come up Plenty of times in this conversation, that's communicating, right? Mm -hmm. Communication. How important, Bella, is um, finding someone who's consistent 
someone who's reliable in a relationship? It is the holy grail, right? If a man wants to be with you, wants to be with you, or a person, I mean, consistency and reliability. If you think about the people in your life that I call your elevator people. Okay, I gave a TED Talk about this in October called The Secret to Finding Lasting Love. If you think about the people in your life that elevate you, they make you happiest. We've done over 1,500 exercises with our clients to define their elevator people. Consistency and reliability. Think about your own people, Sasha and Anita, right, that elevate you. And they bring you up and they keep you grounded. Consistency, reliability. Do what you say you're going to do. Walk your walk. Talk your talk. So important. And that's what it looks like in practice. Reliability. Do what you say you're going to do. If somebody likes you, you will know it. You're not going to have to ask because they're going to say, hey, tomorrow I'm going to call you at 8 p.m. And guess what happens at 8 p.m.? They'll call you. Not at 9 (laughs) p.m. and not 8 p.m. a week later. They're going to call you. There's not going to be that question in your system. A good relationship is easy. And easy springs from consistency and reliability. All right. I think we've got some folks eager to join our conversation. (laughs) Let's jump to the phone lines. Here's Andrew in Portage Park. Hey, Andrew. Hi, how are you? Doing well. So what, what do you think here? What, what are some green flags? Well, I'd like to share my personal green flag that I didn't know I had until it happened, Ooh. which was when I was dating my now wife. And one day after a Chicago snowstorm, I went out to work. Or I went out to my, my car to go to work. And on the street, my car was the only one that didn't have any snow on it. Oh, and I got in my car. I started driving to work, and I was so confused. And I, called <laughs> I love that. What happened? This is so strange. And she laughed. And I thought, wow. I'm going to marry her. Is this is it. Saying. And I did. <laughs> and you did. I love that. Love that. You know what? I love the role reversal there, that she yes. cleaned off his car. It was very thoughtful. I 100%. I had a male client who was taking a girl out. And he went, he opened her car door because he was picking her up. She sat down and she leaned over, even when she was in this pretty dress, to manually unlock the door on his side. And he said, he's like, I knew at that moment I was going to marry her, right? Because she was thoughtful. She wasn't sitting there just saying, treat me like a princess. This was someone who was going to be a good partner. So reach over and unlock that door. (laughs) I think it's a test that guys use. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to see if if you're gonna lean over and and do the unlock. I think I I think I passed it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm usually, but I just usually think, oh well, his door needs to be open too. So I just, it's just natural. I just kind of lean over. Yeah. And, um, you're gonna have to get the snow brush out now. And now I mean, I'm the game now, I'm is up. up my game like Andrew's <laughs> wife and, and start cleaning off cleaning cars. off the windshields, ladies. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about trust, Anita, because that feels like a pretty solid green flag. But doesn't that take time to build up? Yes. Uh, I mean, some people, I think they are in the camp of you trust, I'll trust you until you screw me over. And then there are other people that are in the camp of trust should be built and maintained. Um, I mean, as a couples therapist for over 16 years, I'm definitely in the latter camp because I think it's really important to be intentional about building trust. And there's the big issues like cheating. You you want to make sure that uh, you're protecting your relationship from infidelity, uh, sharing passwords. Mm-hmm. You know, people have different comfort levels with that. Um, but also going back to that reliability piece, I think 
uh, being able to have integrity and do what you say you're going to do helps to maintain that trust over time. You mentioned cheating. Should that be an immediate deal breaker? No. Why do you say that? Because I think it's not a black and white issue. There are people who, I mean, I've been an expert in infidelity as long as I've been doing therapy. And it's just not, very rarely do at least the clients that I see, uh, do they cheat because they just want sex. They, you know, they want that playfulness or they really do want that connection and what they, they might not be getting their needs met and it's not always sexual um, with their partner, but they also don't want to, like, you know, leave their partner or they don't want their kids to have two separate homes. And so in their frame of mind at that point, you know, they, they obviously like don't do, take the best behavior, but um, they don't want to ruin the- They stick around. I'm not yeah. done talking yeah. about trust. Mm. What does maintaining- long-term trust look like? I mean, there's so many facets to trust. Like, how how does a person show, you know, with their actions that they're willing to work and maintain it? Look, I celebrated my 25th wedding anniversary this year. Congratulations. And at our company, at Smart Dating Academy, we've had zero divorces in 13 years. So trust can play out in so many different ways. And I'll tell you, it's certainly getting the big things right, not cheating on each other, right? Is it recoverable? Yes. But is it hard to do? Yes. But trust is really built in the little things that you do for each other Mm -hmm. on a daily basis, right? One of the things that we've worked on in our own relationship at home and that we teach is what I call cleaning out the container. When something bothers you, you don't pick your battles. Talk about it right away, but speak to it with kindness and respect in a way that your partner will receive it. So important. Cleaning out the container. Elevator people. I love all your little (laughs) phrases. (laughs) They're fantastic. Um, Anita, what is emotional labor? In a relationship? Uh, So um, it's the labor, the work that someone puts in to maintain the emotional connection in a relationship. Is it harmful or is Uh, it just necessary? I think it's necessary. I mean, you you also want to make sure it's balanced so that one person isn't doing all of the work. Like one person isn't always initiating the communication or planning the dates, um, having, you know, important conversations about the status of the relationship. So It's important, it's necessary, but it should be balanced. Yeah. You know, even the best paired uh, relationships, they're going to face struggle, right? And I think one of you alluded to that before. You're going to face hardship, but how uh, a couple takes accountability and um, takes responsibility for their part in the conflict, that's got to be important, right? Super important. Yeah. Super important. What does that look like? Saying I'm sorry. I was about to say the <laughs> two apologize. most words. It's one of the like to me that's yeah. low hanging fruit. Huge. In a and relationship. Not, I'm and sorry people, if you felt offended yes. by oh, what I just yes. did. That or is, I'm sorry, but uh, I'm sorry I, you feel that way. I don't no. like those apologies at all. No, it's like I am so sorry that I hurt you. Take the accountability. Full stop. Full stop. Say I'm sorry. And what you do at that moment is you acknowledge the hurt, and you disarm your partner. And this this obviously goes for anybody in your lives, your friends, your colleagues. When Own your part and say, I'm sorry. There's so, ma- there's so much bad information going around, like don't apologize, don't say you're sorry. Say you're sorry, 
right? How do you feel when somebody says to you, I'm really sorry for what I did, right? It melts you a little bit. When they mean it, It takes it, for that sure. hard edge off, right? Yeah. It melts the glacier inside of our hearts. Yeah, say and it. I, and I think another part to that is also being able to then, if like you're, if you have a pattern of behaviors, for example, that hurts your partner, maybe take a look at that and see if you can do something differently. Because if you just apologize, but there's no action change, Amen. then what's the point? And I think another way of holding uh, or being responsible and being accountable is, you know, we all have triggers. Every single person does because we don't have a clean slate. And so I think it's really important for each partner to be aware of what those triggers are. Um, so then mm-hmm. when they do get activated, because sometimes they get pushed you know, uh, unintentionally by a partner, then that's something that they have to work on to make sure that it's not um, negatively impacting the relationship or they're not overreacting or withdrawing from the relationship. And just because you're in a good relationship, quote, I'm doing air quotes, you can see me, but they can't, um, <laughs> it doesn't mean that resolving conflict is going to be easy. Right. And most of the time it has to be managed. So I think that's yeah. what people... You know, they expect like we can't solve these problems, but they're probably not going to go away. Two thirds of the time, they're not. You're going to have perpetual differences, and so it's really important. Of okay, these are these are probably not going to go away. How are we going to manage them in a way that we both feel like what we want gets honored and make some you know modifications or some sacrifices if necessary? Yeah. Here is Sean in Evergreen Park. Hey, Sean, welcome to Reset. Hi, uh, thanks for having me on. So I got a I got a big uh, a great green flag. So I was dating uh, my now wife, and we had only been in our relationship for about six months. And uh, I had a seizure, and then uh, shortly after, I had a couple more. And it was determined that uh, late in life, at almost thirty years old, that this would probably be a lifelong thing for me. Mm-hmm. And after a big seizure, uh, I was in the hospital and really emotional. I told her. Um, that, you know, if she wanted to leave, if this was too much for her to deal with, um, she didn't have to stay. And uh, not only did she stay, but she has been the biggest uh, advocate and proponent for me. She's there for all of my doctor's appointments. Oh, wow. That I'm, that I'm eating correctly. She does, she does everything. She does everything that I probably would not stay on top of if it wasn't for her. Oh. Um, but the fact that she stayed when I gave her a full opportunity to leave, um, I knew right then and there that um, the love I had for her was was a lot more than just a little bit. It was a lot of it, and we're uh, yeah. coming up on our 10-year. Uh, oh, nice! Congratulations! In March. That's awesome. She's Sean. your number one elevator person. She's a keeper. Thank you for sharing that, Sean. And I think Maddie, our next caller in Andersonville, has a, a similar story. Hey, Maddie, welcome to Reset. Thanks for having me. Sure. Um, my green, green Psych story is very similar. Um, around 2020, unfortunately, I um, started developing some medical and health issues, and um, I had been with my partner for about two years, and he um, he stayed with me the whole time. He took such great care of me. I feel like this especially, too, I don't know a lot of young men in their early 20s who um, would just be so caring mm-hmm. and and empathetic, um, and, you know, he believed me when a lot of doctors were kind of casting aside um, symptoms, it's just anxiety, yeah. and, yeah, just just a huge, huge green flag, and we um, engaged, or proposed to me in May. Oh, congrats. Uh, Congratulations. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, so now you have a wedding to plan. That's great. I'm, I'm glad you have him in your corner, Maddie. I want to talk about that beginning. Um Anita, especially early on in a relationship where people feel the need to impress, 
you know, they, they put on a front, but that front should fade at some point, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How soon should you be able to, to feel completely yourself with a person? Uh, I mean, I think it depends, but I you generally use the two to three month um, kind of benchmark or timeline for my clients. Where the mask slowly comes off. Some of the infatuation to fade, uh, some patterns to develop and see maybe more the person, how they show up authentically versus, yes, just trying to impress. But some of the infatuation has to fade, uh, I think, first. What do you think, Bella? Oh, yeah. At Smart Dating Academy, we have what our clients famously call the 15-date rule. And so 15-date. 15-date, okay? And that means you're dating somebody slowly over the course of three to four months while you're concurrently dating other people. So you can compare, contrast. You're very, you're very clear that you're not dating them exclusively, and you slow things down. What do you do? We're not sleeping together, and that keeps us way more objective to see if we can feel like ourselves. Do we feel comfortable? Do we feel like this person could be supportive, clean off our windshields? And do we see that there are any red flags, mm-hmm. right? Instant gratification. Everyone wants things so fast. There's a three-day rule. No, there isn't. Slow things down because as soon as you speed things up too fast and too furious, you know what it does usually? It flames out. You know that's really hard for some people. It's so hard. The the dating concurrently, uh, some people are just kind of all in once they meet someone. Uh, Yeah, no one and done dating. I find that especially true with people that are coming out of a divorce or they've been widowed. So they've been in marriages for a long time. So they can't wrap their heads around how casual dating, casual dating. I'm like, look, this is like making new friends. This is like the first day of school. You're going to (laughs) try, you're going to start talking to a lot of people. And when you have that mindset, I'll tell you what, you don't ignore red flags, right? Dating becomes a lot more fun when you have the tools to know how to do it. You have a plan and you know how to slow it down. And then you, we, we are writing scripts for our clients to help them navigate situations like, oh, this guy's great. But on a fourth date, he's like, hey, let me cook you dinner at my house. And we're like, uh-uh. And Pump here's, the brakes. Right. Assume positive <laughs> intent. Number one, don't assume he's a creep. Just say, it's so nice of you that you want to cook me dinner. And I would love to do that a little bit further down the road. How about we meet at Summer House tonight instead? Ah, good one. Well, Anita, I want to talk about boundaries. That's a, I'm big on the B word, yes. <laughs> um, respecting them, setting them. What does that look like with a partner? It could be anything from uh, like a common one. We mentioned communication with couples. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, when we map out communication patterns, it could even be something like if one person says, I need a break, I need to take a time out. Uh, sometimes the other parser, partner chases the partner around the, you know, around the house, being like, "We're not done talking about this yet." Um, so a boundary is if you call a timeout, respect that. Even boundary. in the middle of an argument, because that's can... especially when you need that. Mm. Um, and it could even be something, you know, serious too. Like I, you don't want to have sex, and so don't pressure your partner uh, until they finally cave. Which you know we've worked with um, situations like that too. Yeah. Let's jump to the phones. Here's Robin in Logan Square. Hi, Robin. What are your green flags? Uh, my green flag was um, when I was dating and I had, you know, not several, but a few boyfriends. 
love, you know, passionate love. And they fell in love with me, with my personality. I have a very big personality. I'm very fun, outgoing. I'm a little, little bit loud, could be on the verge of obnoxious. Mm-hmm. And okay. they fell in love with that. But as soon as we got into a very serious relationship, they started to want me to change. And they started to want me to be down, you know, quiet down a little bit and don't be so out there. And then when I met my husband, he, the second he met me, he just fell in love with me. And he never once asked me to um do anything he accepted me for exactly who i was and he loved me love for that. who i was love that I'm, I'm so happy that that turned around for you robin uh here is barbara in oak lawn hey barbara hi so what what's your green flag listening listening is key yeah. my late husband we were happily married for 18 years and good friends for four years before that but he passed away Unfortunately, um, I'm so sorry, sorry to hear that. Uh, that's okay. I, I, I am one of the lucky ones. I had true love for 22 years. Oh, oh amazing. Anyway, um, when I was, uh, he listened. I remember an incident where we were talking, actually kind of arguing about something. And I talked about a lot of things, but he heard my emotion go up on one particular point. And he said, oh, that's what's bothering you. That's what we need to take care of. Wow. Talk about that. Oh, I love mm-hmm. that. Oh, thank you for sharing, Barbara. These are all think? great this green flags. Fun. This is it, right? Listening. Listening. Yeah. Seeing also understanding. You. Yeah, Letting me the, be myself. Mm-hmm. My personality is too big. Let me be big. Let me be big. <laughs> and people that are always there for you, they're yeah. like your hype person. That's that reliability again. Absolutely. That we were talking about a second ago. From reliability to lying, Anita. <laughs> the opposite of the opposite. Uh, you know, I think we can objectively agree lying overall is bad. Um, are there white lies that are okay? Um, I, I think so. Like I mean, when's it okay to fudge the truth just a tiny bit? Um, if, if you want to not fully divulge your sexual past, <laughs> not every partner could handle that. Uh, I would rather people say, um, you know, the, I don't think this is something that, you know, I want to share. Um, I do think that there are some things that maybe should be private. I don't know, Bella, what you would say, but uh, it is definitely better than just lying. Uh, and so oftentimes, like, I have to ask, you know, my clients, well, if they tell you the truth, how is that going to impact you? Like, you know, if we play out some scenarios, you know, do you re- or do you really need this piece of information, mm-hmm. you know, to, again, try to keep people as honest as possible um, and not necessarily sharing something that sometimes it they might, might be a little to- too much detail. Yeah. And sometimes people can't let that stuff go, you know, right. so right. And, and then you mentioned, I think, like, I mean, lying eventually can get found out. And I mean, that's happened where a partner what happens has lied. in the dark. Yeah. And comes then, to light. Yeah. But then they can't <laughs> handle the truth. You know, and they, they they hold it over their partner's head. And so that's that's not healthy either. No. And, you know, just a little dating gem or relationship gem. When someone asks you a question like that, like how many people have you slept with? There's, you know, what caused your divorce that you don't want to answer? You can just smile and look them in the eye and say, that's so interesting. Why do you ask? And get at what they're actually looking for. 
before, and uh, that helps you to that also will throw them right off. That throws them off, and, and and that way you don't have to. I mean, you can take it directly, right? You can say, you know what. I don't really know why this is relevant or I don't really think that this is the right time to share that. Or you, I love answering a question with the question because what that's, what you're doing is what we were just talking about. You are listening to what that person is actually trying to find out from exactly. you. And when people are probing on those things, they're actually trying to say, could you be a good partner for me? That's usually what the, the core. The core is that. So yeah. get to the core. If the question seems offensive, assume positive intent. It's probably not. Answer it with the question and get to why the person is asking the question. Let's hear from Leah in Irving Park. Hi, welcome to Reset. Um, I actually changed my, my green flags in the, over the last five minutes, but okay. it's actually related to you, as in me, as opposed to the other person, okay. I really think it's when you feel confident in yourself. Um, I've been on dating apps for six years, started just after getting out of a, a relationship, and there was a very messy, gut-wrenching breakup. Um, and online dating has been exhausting, and it was mostly bad experiences. And it really, if I'm honest with myself, was only about one year ago, so five years after the breakup was when I felt like I was confident enough in myself. I didn't feel like I needed someone. I felt like I wanted someone. So changing that mindset and that behavior and really having genuine confidence in myself mm-hmm. um, made it easier to start dating. And I just recently started seeing um, someone who's been a friend for years, started seeing them romantically. Um, and Ooh. it's very early on, but it's going very well. Oh, fingers great. crossed. Yay, Leah. Yes. <laughs> Positive energy. Uh, so Leah talks about confidence. How much of a life should you have outside of your partner? That's what that makes me think of. When I'm thriving, when I'm confident, when I've got things going on, it feels good, right? But can it be a green flag if you you know, have your own hobbies and friends outside of them? And do they feel like you're pushing them away? No, I think it's all, I mean, there's no real prescription or formula. Like you should spend 60% of your time together, 40% of your time apart. It's all going to be individual specific and relationship specific. I think especially in the beginning when you're dating, right? It's really fun to have interests and passions that you can talk about and potentially introduce this person to and vice versa, right? If you're, you know, you know, I don't know why this example comes to mind right away, but it's like, oh, great. You know, I love going axe throwing. Okay, great. I've never been axe throwing. Let's go do Let's that together, right? Yeah. And so you can try different things together, which is really interesting. But for certain couples, they have their boys' nights, they have their girls' nights, they have their boys' trips, their girls' trips. Mm -hmm. And other couples are perfectly content spending seven out of seven nights together with each other. You all do you. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say that uh, the concept of self-expansion comes in here where self-expansion is growing, not just yourself, but as a couple. And so research does show that people who are self-expansive and have these kinds of relationships are more satisfied Mm -hmm. they're more passionate. Um, It helps ward off boredom. And so, yes, you definitely want to have your own hobbies and it's great to keep that passion alive. And then when you come together, then you have things to share, you know, or or try together like axe throwing. (laughs) (laughs) So we have less than a minute, even in a sea of green flags. What's your biggest red flag that cancels them out? Bella? Oh, gosh. I mean, if somebody is angry, inconsistent, 
unreliable or they're love bombing you. They're too fast and too furious. Here's Mm. a big one. If you feel butterflies in your stomach, hear me on this one. People think butterflies are bad. People think butterflies are good. They're excitement. It's actually fear. It's your gut telling you something is off. Ooh. Okay, Anita, wrap us up here. Green flag that maybe folks don't talk about or maybe the biggest red flag that you think cancels out all the green flags? Yeah, I mean, I love bombing for dating for sure. Um, But I I mean, I think someone who is emotionally available and I tell my clients to pay attention to the how. Like how does someone respond to you when you say this is a need or when you set a boundary? So you really want to look at how does someone interact with you and it should be respectful. And just are they listening, man? Are they listening? That's part of that, yes. Anita Chapala, dating and relationship therapist and Bella Gandhi, dating coach and founder of Smart Dating Academy. Thank you for joining us. Thank Thank you for having us. This episode of Reset was produced by Brenda Ruiz and mixed by Ethan Schwab. Looking for more dating advice? We got you. You can find more from Bella on the Smart Dating Academy podcast. And check out Anita's business, Relationship Reality 312. You can even check out our Reset episode on how to get off the dating apps and meet someone in person. That's in our podcast feed. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you back here tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.